G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. The story. Bullying became something that I uh, had to put up with pretty much throughout high school, and in year 10 it really escalated. Boys pinning my arms by my body from behind, using my backpack in between classes, and guys coming up in front of me and rubbing my ears for fun, and, you know, they do it so violently, so regularly that the skin would tear away from the skull and start to bleed, and then over the days my ears would bruise up and go purple and black, and so that was the kind of stuff I put up with on a daily basis. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, a serious topic that affects a lot of us growing up, and that's bullying. Unfortunately, Brett Murray experienced firsthand the cruelty of schoolyard bullying. Years later, he's decided to do something about it and turn his pain into a passion. He and his wife co-founded the Make Bullying History Foundation, and they speak at schools around the country to encourage others who have gone through similar experiences. Today, we'll hear his story as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Brett, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Glad to have you with us. And let's go back to your childhood. Where did it all start? What were the experiences that you went through that really shaped your life? Um, From the time I was 11 to the time I was 18, never saw my dad. Mm. He decided that it was better off that he wasn't in our life rather than being a constant source of conflict. So he removed himself from our life and we didn't get any communication, phone calls, Christmas cards, birthday cards, wow. no communication whatsoever for a uh, better part of eight years. Well, wow, that had to be difficult right in your teenage years? Yeah, yeah. Going from the transition from boyhood to manhood, just uh, well, mm-hmm. not having a dad around was uh, quite difficult, um, which feeds a lot into the work that we do because we understand through research now that psychologists have uh, found the massive positive or negative impact that fathers can have on their children. Yep. And uh, I was I was sort of like the latter. Um, because of the absence of a father and positive male role model, uh, there was a lot of gaps and voids in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that was sort of, you know, the, the, the family side of things. Mum did the best she could with what she had, being a single mum, raising two boys. And, uh, you know, schooling uh, was difficult. Um, we moved from uh, a public primary school out in southwestern Sydney, and then we moved to a high school that was closer to where we lived, which was more around the Bankstown district, if anyone is familiar with Sydney. And uh, it was a private Catholic boys' high school, and uh, most of the students had gone from you know prep and kindergarten all the way through into high school together, so their social groups were already formulated, and I came in at year seven. Mm-hmm. And so was very much an outsider. Uh, was a late developer. Was um, you know, had all my own social quirkiness and problems because of you know my upbringing and the divorced family, etc. And so bullying became something that I uh, had to put up with pretty much throughout high school. And in year ten, it really escalated, where all the other boys, you know, were were developing physically, and I was a slow developer, so I was much smaller, much weaker, and an easier target, and had lots of social awkwardness. So pretty much every day of my year 10 life at school was 
uh, physical, verbal, emotional abuse. And when I say physical, like, you know, daily bashings. Really? Guys ganging up on you, um, you know, boys pinning my arms by my body from behind using my backpack in between classes and guys coming up in front of me and rubbing my ears for fun and, you know, they do it so violently, so regularly that the ear, the skin would tear away from the skull and start to bleed and then oh, over wow. the days my ears would bruise up and go purple and black and, and then, you know, with these funny purple swollen black ears, Guys would walk past in between classes and slap me on the side of the head just for right. a reaction. So that was the kind of stuff I put up with on a daily basis uh, for the entire year. Now, could you go to teachers? Could anybody help you? Uh, you possibly could, but back then, if you went and adopt, uh, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, on people, then you would just get hammered on your way to and from school. They'd get you after school. And so uh, because I was one of the only kids still with only a mum and not a dad, I didn't have a dad who could come down and defend me. And you certainly didn't want your mum doing it because then you become a mummy's boy. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and, and as I was about to allude to, uh, having a mum who was working two jobs to send her two boys to a private school, you didn't have a day off. You had to go every day. And uh, And she's working very hard just to put you there, and it's exactly. the source of your torture. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because it wasn't until decades later that uh, I shared these experiences with her that um, you know, she she didn't realise the torture I was going through. But as a young kid, you don't you don't want to heap more burden yeah. on the appearance, so you just sort of, I suppose, to use a common saying, you just suck it up and, mm. and go through it, and thinking that this is normal, this is your lot in life. So, what lasting impact did that have on you? Well, I think going through that kind of torment and torture, uh, I think it bred empathy in me. Um, I, I left school that year, the end of year 10, as a 15-year-old, turned 16 the following year. And so I didn't go to year 11 or 12. Uh, the bullying actually had a massive impact on my education. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I really wanted to escape. So, um, you know, I went from being... You know, this little kid being bullied and bashed and everything in year 10 to the following year, I left home. I, I wanted to get out of my neighbourhood. I moved to the south coast of New South Wales. Um, and it was through uh, Christian surfers. This is where I found faith initially. Uh, it was through Christian surfers uh, that year. Oh, tell us about that. Yeah, 1989. Uh, I, I sort of started to, because surfing was always a passion of mine, I started mm-hmm. hanging out with a group called Christian Surfers and there was something just dramatically different about these guys. They didn't treat you with disrespect or dishonor. Um, yeah, they just had this spirit about them. Is and Now I know how to say it, but back then it was just something different about these guys. And uh, I wanted to be like them. But I thought just going to church made you a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then these guys explained about having a relationship with God and everything. So I decided that's what I wanted. And, um, yeah, so that was where I sort of gave my heart to Jesus and asked him to be my saviour. And, um, you know, that, that became, that sort of changed the direction of my life. And through Christian surfers, I was able to uh, move down the south coast and live with a couple of Christian guys and live the dream, you know, working in the surfboard industry and, uh, you know, going to Christian surfers meetings wow. and joining a really cool church and, and really sort of changed the direction of my life. Yeah, I wanted to ask you... You know, obviously, you did not have a earthly father, or at least he was absent mm. from your life. How yeah. did starting a personal relationship with God, your heavenly Father, how did that impact you? Did that help heal and fill that well, hole, that vacuum yeah. that you had in your life? 
Yeah, well, it's it's been a massive journey, um, and I can honestly say, uh, being very transparent, I think my relationship with my Heavenly Father has really only just begun to become a reality in my life in the last 12 months. For the better part of 27 and a half years, I had Jesus as my Saviour, but I never had Him as my Lord. I just wasn't prepared to surrender fully. He wasn't the ruler of my life totally, and although, you know met my wife, Teresa, at a young age through church. We've got three beautiful children, and, and faith, in that sense, has guided the parameters of our life. There was still a whole massive section of my heart that wasn't fully surrendered. And I do know that God has utilized me, and uh, in, in my wife, and particularly I'll talk about myself, has, has utilized me uh, in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my failures and faults. And I just know now that, 12 months ago I had this massive encounter with the father where it was pretty much come on mate it is time for you to surrender everything mm. because I really can't use you anymore <laughs> unless you do and, uh, and and it was a, a massive confrontation a massive point in, in, in my life where it was like yeah now I let go of everything I do trust you as my mm. father and there is no plan B it's you or nothing isn't it wonderful how God doesn't give up on us yeah, he he pursued me, I can tell you. Um, and I was looking to hide uh, in a lot of different areas and even hide behind Christianity, hide behind the, the, the facade of, hey, I go to church, I know all the languages to speak, I've been blessed enough to preach at different churches and different youth organizations and see hundreds of people come to the Lord. But really there was a lot of um, deep areas in my life that I still needed to allow God in. And yeah, It was about a year ago that that happened and, and the transformation in my own life, my family's life, and then the reflection through our, our ministry, which is our charity, has just gone through the roof, and uh, it's just been amazing. Well, let's go back in time to after you met Teresa and were yeah, yeah. married. Yeah. When did you start the foundation? Yeah, well, I, um, I was a spray painter. Going from the journey of being uh, working in the surfboard industry, I used to spray and design surfboards when I first got saved, and then... Uh, the recession hit in 1991 in Australia and uh, employment was very hard to come by so I had to move back to Sydney and uh, find a job, uh, landed a, an apprenticeship in, in vehicle spray painting in the smash repair industry, worked through that industry for a while and then um, oh, several years later, about 10 years later, an opportunity came up to work at a what I heard was a Christian panel shop and that was like an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> Christians and panel shops or smash repairs. But what we found out, it was a training program. So it was a Christian organization that was running a, a registered training organization, mm-hmm. helping young kids who were passionate about the automotive industry but were oftentimes caught on the wrong side of it by stealing cars rather than working on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would get these kids and turn them around by training them in the automotive industry and helping them turn their passion into their career. And it was called Handbrake Turn giving mm-hmm. kids a hand, breaking their predicament, turning their life around. And I worked there as a spray painting teacher, and it was a Christian environment, which was brilliant. I worked my way to become the manager of that organization. Wow, who would have through. thought that you could use spray painting for the Lord? Yeah, oh, crazy, <laughs> crazy. And uh, you know, we were encouraged to evangelize, and we saw many, many kids come to the Lord, which is awesome. And then uh, 2003, I'd always been involved in Christian surfers and things like that, and youth ministry, and always had a passion for youth and speaking. And through the job title, 
uh, of manager. I worked my way up to be the manager of the organisation. I had to go and visit schools and speak at careers advisory days mm-hmm. and found that there was just a natural connection there. So 2003, we decided that, you know, let's step out in faith and just, I don't really want to be part of the organisation anymore. I want to want to speak into kids' lives. So Teresa and I prayed about it and thought, okay, this would be a great way to go. So we stepped out in faith and with no plans, with no, goal, you know, real organisational skills or anything, we just stepped out and started speaking in schools, which was the beginning of a of an adventurous journey, but a very difficult one. Um, having to do it over again, I would do it with much more wisdom and uh, would get much more counsel. But, mm. you know, you, when you're young, you just step out and have a go. <laughs> and so, yeah, I started uh, speaking in schools. and So obviously okay. you share your story and your experiences of being bullied? Yeah, it started well, It started with just wanting to motivate kids, but very quickly, within the first two or three months, we had schools saying, do you do anything about bullying? And this is where it all came about. And yeah. I'd say, oh, well, yeah, I've got a story about bullying, so I'll just tell my testimony. But, you know, you couldn't do the Christian thing because a lot of schools don't want to hear that. So I just had to find a way of sharing a story of hope mm-hmm. that fit within the curriculum. And bullying was something that the schools were increasingly needing to deal with. So I just said, well, this is my story, and tell it. And kids would be in tears, and schools would say, wow, that was amazing when you had to come back. And, and it just rolled out, and it grew from there. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Brett Murray from the Make Bullying History Foundation. Next, we'll hear how his story of being picked on in high school becomes a story of hope. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Brett Murray from the Make Bullying History Foundation, and he's sharing his story of being picked on in high school. Next, we'll hear what happened after high school and how everything turned around for him. Uh, well, I suppose that the hope came when I left school. Uh, there was no end in sight while I was still at school, so I left school, and I got saved. And I gave my heart to Jesus and started surrounding myself with different people. I removed myself from the bullies. And at the end of the day, you know, hope comes from Jesus. And, and mm-hmm. that's where my hope came from. And I started to realize that I had value outside of my talents and abilities. And uh, I suppose that's where the juxtaposition came, where I had this knowledge about Jesus and I read the scriptures and all that sort of stuff. But being on stage all the time, speaking to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids over the years, Pride got in the way and I started to believe my own press. I was on TV, had TV mm. series and started to think that I was the man and, um, you know, started to believe that I didn't need to read the Bible anymore and so on and so forth. So, yes, life began to sort of go into cruise mode in a sense and it was all about me and that's where I think the confrontation of, uh, you know, when Teresa and I started the foundation three years ago and we believe this is where we needed to go. We needed to turn it from just us speaking about bullying in schools, to actually have a structure, become a fully-fledged charity and start really doing things on a much higher level. And we were doing great things. We were seeing bullying reduced in schools over, you know, well over a decade. And we were, you know, very rapidly 
beginning to be known publicly as the number one bullying organisation. And I'd written books and published, you know, been published several times, and it was just looking fantastic. And we had the mind share of the general public through media. Um, so while this is all going on, there was this, still this journey happening in my life where I, I just really believe that God was just hunting me down, saying regularly, "I need all of you. I mm. want all of you, not just three quarters." And uh, even though the success of the charity started to really blossom and we really started to function, I think I've got to give credit to Teresa because she really stepped up and said, right, now we're a fully-fledged charity. Let's get some direction and vision. And she was really the one who was really being led by the Spirit. And I was kind of just doing what I always did, went to schools and spoke and did my story. And you know, we had these really cool logos now and cool sponsors. But I was just doing the same old. And Teresa was really saying, no, we've got to go to the next level. And then uh, just the... You know, God just really painted me into a corner uh, last year and and really confronted me. And it really blew me away because this whole confrontation, when they say God deals with you, he deals with you according to his His character, which is full of love and grace and slow to anger and rich in mercy. And, mm-hmm. and so I actually felt God's hand dealing with me in that manner. And sometimes, you know, when you love someone, you've got to be firm. You know, God disciplines those he loves and he disciplined mm-hmm. me in a big way and exposed my heart and and really it was like okay you live like this you're just you're going to lose everything including your marriage including your family or you surrender and i'll redeem it all and that's what he did and this this year has been an amazing journey personally and uh god spoke to both teresa and myself and mainly to teresa giving us direction again because i just really needed to get on my knees and just you know Mm -hmm. start from scratch kind of thing and um and we, we got some direction, focus on our relationship with him this year and focus on our relationship with each other and don't chase any work, any partnerships, just let him do it. And this has been the most successful year of our life in our family, uh, spiritually and with the charity. The charity's just gone through the roof. Okay. Uh, it's been amazing. I was going to ask you, what do you think people can learn from what you've gone through? Uh, there, there is... <laughs> If you really want to live a fruitful life full of blessings, surrender everything because mm-hmm. there's victory in surrender. There really is. And, yeah, God's kingdom is totally opposite to the world's way of living. It's, um, you know, there's, there's strength in weakness because where you can't, he can. Mm-hmm. You know, there's victory in defeat. You feel so defeated, but you surrender to him and he will give you every victory you've ever wanted. And it shows you that you can't, but he can. And that's all he wants. He wants yep. our heart. He wants yep. our relationship. And everything flows from that. It's not about, you know, labels. It's not about titles. It's not about position, privilege, power, possessions. It's about a passionate relationship with a real living God. You're l- allowing God to continue to mold and shape you and use you for his honor and glory. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And you know what? As they say, you never stop learning until you you know, in that box six foot <laughs> yeah. under. Yeah. And and even then, you, you know, you, we, we pass over to the other side and it's just going to be, we will never, ever be able to comprehend a, a God who simply spoke and the universe as we know it came into existence. How, how is a finite human mind ever going to understand that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we are a work in progress. And, we, and, you know, Scripture says we go from glory to glory, which means we're never finished. Now, Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I wanted to go back to the impact your story has had on children. Yes. Do you have maybe one or two of your favorite stories of 
people who've come up to you afterwards and said, hey, I can relate to what you've been through? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things I share with the kids is something that was quite embarrassing for me at the time at school, but now has become one of my greatest strengths is the story that I share with the kids how, as a year 10 student, age 15, all my friends found out I had a bedwetting problem. So mm. I went to bed regularly as a teenager. Yeah. That became um, quite significant and another uh, factor that got me on the opposite end of <laughs> the bullies and the target for constant harassment. But I shared that with a school uh, yesterday over in the Sutherland Shire. We had 400 students I spoke to yesterday and a girl from year eight came up to me and she said, thank you so much, she was in tears. This was only yesterday. Wow. She said, um, I have a bedwetting problem, but I'm getting better and I'm, I'm almost finished. I haven't wet the bed for a you know, couple of weeks now, but thank you, you're the first adult I've ever heard say that they used to wet the bed as well. And uh, just knowing that mm. by sharing your weaknesses, you're actually given hope to other people. And uh, that's one story so recent. And there's, there's been hundreds, literally hundreds of young people that have reached out to us. But there's one particular one at a school called Billabong High in the rural uh, regional area of um, southern New South Wales and uh, reached out to us. We delivered a seminar, spoke about bullying, etc., and uh, delivered our, our work. And reached out, this young person reached out to me a couple of nights later. It was midnight, and I get a, um, uh, the, the, I know the time because the time was recorded on the message via Instagram, and I read it the next day where this young man had said, You came to my school, Billabong High, I heard your story, and he said, I realise I'm one of the bullies. But you know what? I've realised I don't want to be a bully, it's not cool. Mm. And I've actually apologised to everyone that I've ever bullied, and I don't want to be a bully anymore. So thank you so much for changing my life. And these are 15, 16-year-old kids that are having a revelation. Uh, obviously, we believe it's the Holy Spirit touching them, even though we're not mentioning Christianese type mm. of talk. Yeah. We're still mentioning a, a, or sharing a message of hope. And it's going in, and God's doing a work on their lives to the point where they're making decisions to change the direction they're going and, and obviously having a, a positive domino effect on the former victims that are now you know, having their bully apologize to them. So um, we've got hundreds of stories like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Why do you think so many people are bullying these days? I think it comes down to the dysfunctionalism of the family unit or the disintegration of the family unit, mm-hmm. lack of positive male role models. And I think that the attack on identity, when people don't know who they are and where they come yeah, from, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they don't feel like they have any purpose and they feel like they don't have any value. When you don't have any value, you feel like everyone else is a threat. And uh, when you're threatened by things or people, you tend to attack them. And that's probably in a nutshell, although bullying is such a multifaceted subject, it's not that simplistic. But I I really do believe it's the lack of positive male role modelling, disintegration of family unit and and the the attack on identity. And we've got generations of kids now growing up just really not knowing who they are and what their value is. But isn't it interesting that by putting your faith in our Heavenly Father, all of those issues that you just mentioned are all dealt with to a certain extent. Absolutely. You know your identity. Absolutely. You're a child of God. You know you have value. You're a son of yep. the king. Uh, you know, having a lack of value. You know that you're priceless. Jesus died for you. So they're all dealt with if we truly can get it into our heart what he's done for us and how he feels about us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Jesus is the ultimate answer for for bullying, for sure. I mean, if, if uh, we had unlimited resources and we didn't have to rely on funding and we could go wherever we wanted however we wanted you know it would be just full-blown 
gospel preaching to stop bullying, but unfortunately, there's a lot. Yeah, the majority of schools don't allow that. So we we find a a more wise way of you know being as um, wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. And we mm-hmm. come in and we we share a message of hope that uh, you know, as, as the scripture says, one plants and other waters, and and it's God that gives the increase. And That's we just right. know that through our charity, at least, we're we're the ones who are sowing the seeds. Mm-hmm. Any final comments before we let you go? Oh, I just yeah, want to thank you for the opportunity to share with the audience our story. And um, yeah, if people are listening, if they could pray for us, uh, that that would be uh, phenomenal. If they want to know anything more about us, just go to makebullyinghistory.org, which is our website. Yep. And uh, yeah, and just um, for those who are listening, if you haven't before and you really need to consider you know, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, do it because there's no regrets but Lord simply means ruler of life you've got to give him everything but by giving him everything you never come second by putting God first Hmm. well said thank you so much for sharing with us today ah pleasure thanks Eric that was Eric Scatterbo chatting with Brett Murray from the Make Bullying History Foundation, sharing his inspiring story and spreading a message of hope to children who have been the victims of bullying. And what's neat is he's not only helping victims, but is also convincing bullies to stop hurting others and apologise for what they've done, thus breaking the cycle of pain. It's fantastic. If you'd like to learn more about Brett and his organisation, the website is makebullyinghistory.org. That's makebullyinghistory.org. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with somebody today. Next time on The Story. I was bullied as a child. I was pretty much called a piece of dirt. Really? So I believed that. I didn't value myself. I didn't value the gifts that God had given me. And I just thought for people to like me, that I had to buy their love. Maz O'Callaghan from Canberra was bullied as a child and felt like she had to buy other people's affection. Fortunately, since putting her faith in Christ, she's discovered her true value as a child of God. Now she's working with young people in ministry and helping them see their priceless value as well. Maz will share her story of healing next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.